and that's actually used in the in the story. You know, it's used in the story of Amar in second in Second Samuel 13, 18 and 19, of the garments that she is wearing. In fact, it's so rare that it makes a point of defining what the words mean as being the the dress of the female virgin daughter of the king. Go ahead. Is everyone with me? Yes. <laughs> so the connection between the use of these these Hebrew words in these two stories, by the way, has been known for millennia. It's not unknown concept. And yet you can kind of hear the stress in the translators going, what do I do with this? <laughs> right? And particularly as it's kind of kind of kind of built up. Um, when this was originally, when the Hebrew was translated into the Greek, which is called the Septuagint text, what we find is that they translated it at that point as a coat of many colors. Tr most likely connecting to the fact that they understood part of the tradition, but they didn't really, they couldn't quite fit it, but they had a strong tradition of, uh, of homosexuality, particularly of gay men, and they thought, okay, this will work. That's, the, that's where that was their, their understanding, which, which was fair when you're translating into elements. But what you can tell if you read it more and more is that there's continuous stress over these words. Um, and even you know, newer translations will, will talk about as a long robe with sleeves, or we'll talk about a few other very simple things. But you can just hear the stress of the translators in this, that they're just like, what do I do with this? When you could dig in deeper, there's actually something very, very strong here. So everyone with me? Yes. Yeah. So wait a minute. Let's think about, wait a minute. Joseph gave his child, Jacob gave his child Joseph a beautiful, beautiful princess dress for Joseph's 17th birthday. <laughs> Jacob, yes. the one who wrestled with God, the one who was renamed Israel after that wrestling, if you remember that story. The one who was the father of the tribes of Israel, to which the entire story goes through. The grandson of Abraham, who stepped out in faith to follow God into a promised land. That Jacob gave Joseph, his beloved child, a beautiful princess dress. Yeah, let's say that. Joseph gave his beloved child, Joseph, a beautiful princess dress. The best of the best. Like Hollywood, a very amazing Hollywood type structure. And it says in scripture, Joseph was so happy. Amazing. Does anyone think this was a one-time thing Joseph, or Jacob did for Joseph? I mean, likely it's a major gift that followed other gifts. Joseph was... But, you know, even at this, because of what he was being given at his 17th birthday, Joseph would have been overwhelmed and just, just thankful of what his father, you know, would have given to him, for him to be his father's princess. And for those who are male to female transgender today, one could only imagine what the euphoria would be about being given such a gift from their father. Amen. Yes. Certainly, they, certainly the brothers had some different reactions. I mean, they knew that their father adored Jacob, or their father adored Joseph. And Joseph had his difficult moments, and, and that's fair. And yet the translation of a princess dress shows a far deeper issue 
issue of violence of those on the margins that people would all, that many of the margins would understand, and those who are different, those who just didn't fit in. The brothers were furious, furious enough that they wanted to use violence against him, that they wanted to kill him. They did hold back on killing him, but then they sold him into slavery, where Joseph would experience more violence and marginalization. Joseph would have to do what was necessary to survive. <coughs> I think trans and I think transgender individuals over, you know, understand this as well. Those over the last 50 plus years where it's been visible, in this visible history understand this. And sometimes that has led them into actions such as, you know, the Compton riots in San Francisco in 66, or starting the Stonewall riots in 69. But so many powerful things that have kind of continued, that have happened over the last five decades. So many have dealt with these issues. And yet God you know, redeemed Joseph's suffering. He redeemed the trauma, he redeemed the terror. What you may not realize is that the whole rest of the book of Genesis from this point on pretty much deals with Joseph's story. Mm -hmm. That's right. This one, this very interesting individual, right? You might remember that Joseph's a slave in Egypt and then rises to become the head of his master's household. Well, that works pretty well for a while until a false accusation, he gets put in prison. Yet he becomes a light in prison before he eventually before Pharaoh pulls him out, and eventually he gets put in charge of such important affairs as dealing with the, the upcoming famine and saving food. What an, what an, you know, so what an amazing thing. But the story doesn't end there, right? Because then you still have the brothers and the family in Canaan, and they come down to Egypt hoping for food. And Joseph reconciles with his brothers. A rather curious story, but re reconciles with his brothers the same ones who sold him into slavery, by the way. Mm -hmm. And the family, eventually, because of the family arrives and prospers in Egypt. Joseph has two sons, where each of them is becomes prominent tribes of Israel. Each of them was personally adopted by his father, Jacob. Which is an interesting story in its own. It's amazing how God wants to redeem the suffering and trauma and terror. And interesting, through Joseph, is the one that God saved the entire family of Egypt, the entire family of Israel. Mm -hmm. God did not simply tolerate Joseph. Right. No. God made Joseph exactly who he was for exactly the time that Joseph was needed. God's great plan for his people, Israel, went through Joseph. Without Joseph, Israel's story just likely dies in a famine in Canaan. Yet because of Joseph, Israel's family settles and prospers in Egypt. God did not think that because of Joseph's gender bending or whatever we wish to call it, that Joseph was disqualified from God's plan. Oh no. Joseph was central to that plan. Amen. And they lived happily ever after. <laughs> well, okay, the story does change when Joseph is forgotten, but that's a story for another day and another book. Know this, God does not just tolerate you. Yes. No matter where you fit in the transgender community or wherever you may be, know this, you are celebrated. 
God made you and it is good. And God wants to work in your life as well, each and every one of you. Amen. Interesting enough, if Jewish tradition came through one like Joseph, we, we probably shouldn't be surprised that there's other tradition. You know, there's other traditions that sort of also struggle and embrace different gender perspectives. You know, for example, we see a lot about eunuchs within, within the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament. And, you know, eunuchs, if you're not familiar with, be people who could represent a whole range of sort of intermediate genders or people who are transgender and so forth. And if you just read in the, in the book of Isaiah, we read this, we read this in, in, in 56, Isaiah 56. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and who choose to please me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name. Better than sons and daughters, mm. I will give amen. them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Yes, amen. God does not just desire a relationship with the eunuchs, which in itself is amazing, but also richly bless them more than one could imagine. Jesus affirms, by the way, the eunuchs. And you can see this, in, for example, in Matthew 19. Because there's after he talks about discussions of divorce and then bringing, this, bringing the comment of God made, create, the Creator made the male and female, he then talks about the importance of, of eunuchs and how important that is to the kingdom. Should anyone think that there's only one or the other, or that this is a proof text for it, one should think otherwise. Amen. God works powerfully through all individuals. Transgender individuals, but everyone in the community. By the way, for, and for those of you who think that you are in a, some, you're in a place and you believe your story is outside of God's consideration, think again. Mm. God has you in the story. God's kingdom is available to everyone. Anything is possible. I will say this story is just an absolutely amazing story for those who are in the transgender community. And I think for all people who kind of connect to those who kind of can understand what it is to be marginalized and feel like they've been pushed out of the story, know that God welcomes the transgender community. And there are places in scripture that affirm this. This is so truly good news. And yet, transgender community still struggles, still struggles in this world. On Wednesday, we'll hear another observance of Transgender Day of Remembrance. Mm -hmm. You heard the names read. I have been part of more than a decade of observances. And, you know, for all the progress in the last two decades, still a long list. Yes, there's been progress, more gets reported, but it just breaks my heart reading every single name of what is unnecessary and so tells us so much more to go. Amen. This is on top of a community that deals with so much pressure around it that roughly 40 to 45 percent of the individuals commit suicide. Mm. That's two out of every four to five people. And for those and for those individuals, the darkness can feel overwhelming. 
know. Maybe someone in this room has been there before. And I will also say, if you are in this place or worried about being in this place, reach out into community. This community is here enthusiastically to help you. Please. And although we observe those who passed, we celebrate the struggle. We celebrate the struggle in the life of so many who have come before us who brought their life for us. Our other scripture, we heard the Ethiopian eunuch asking Philip, you know, look, here is water. What's to keep me from being baptized? You know, maybe, you know, you, you, can, you can connect with our, our friend, this, the eunuch, who's feeling excluded in general. And from a sense, from a transgender perspective, this feels this question is actually the question that Philip, that the eunuch asks, is a test. Will I be excluded in this movement of right. God? That's right. Will there be boundaries? Yeah. Am I not fully accepted in this community? Amen. Anyone who's walked a path where they've been excluded will understand this and immediately picks this up. Hmm. So imagine his joy when. He Here's from Philip. You know, nothing separates you. Nothing at all. You can almost hear the eunuch say, just probably, you know, one, first you're probably excited, and then say, well, you can get, you can just hear the eunuch say, well, you know I'm, you know I'm transgender, right? And that probably excludes me. I just want to make sure you know. And from Philip, the response is, Let's go. Here's water. And to that eunuch, it must have seemed like a fairy tale ending. Mm. It's incredible just seeing how the dreams are fulfilled. And know for each and every one of you, you're in a place, wherever you happen to be on, wherever uh, in community, you're in a place where you're riotously celebrated. And there are no barriers because of how God made you. God calls you to be your authentic self. I believe God calls us to be our authentic selves as children of God. And you should and move towards authenticity. And just imagine, just see what God would do with that. So in a few moments, we'll celebrate communion together. And please know that everyone is welcome at this table. Everyone. What is to keep me from being at the table? Hmm. Nothing. Come. And know that God says, welcome home. 